Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. 53106 for your text or email afternoon newstalk.com uh, Jonathan DeBurke Butler joins us to now for Around the World Jonathan how, how are you, you today? Man? You're well I'm good thanks um, We're starting in Georgia and a lovely little Netflix uh, connection with this was, and I see it's back in the papers today Yeah i tell you what it was on Friday was uh, on Friday Sean was doing an interview with uh, Ireland's only Grand Master I heard I know, it and it was a great interview actually yes. and um, I was researching this at the time and this popped up and I said, serendipity, I can't not do this. So this is the story of a Soviet-era Georgian chess champion called Nana Gaprindashvili, okay? She is 80 years of age and she still has uh, all of her faculties. She's as bright as a button and absolutely fantastic. And she is suing Netflix for $5 million, all right, uh, saying that they defamed her. Basically, they brazenly and deliberately, that's in her statement, lied about her in the famous series The Queen's Gambit, which I'm sure you might have watched. I watched a bit of it and then I kind of checked out for some reason. But I the, loved did you it. Watch it. It yeah. was one of the COVID-19 yeah. highlights for me. Yeah, it was good. I, I can't remember why I didn't watch it until the end, but it, it was quite good. It was compelling. But anyway, in the final episode, there's a line from an announcer who describes Nana Gaprandashvili as the female world champion and as a player who has never faced men. And it was that second part that seems to have irked the right. uh, the, the former Olympic champion. Uh, because at that point, when the scene is set, it's set in 1968, she had played nearly 60 male chess players and beaten most of them. And 10 of them were grandmasters at the time, right? And she's understandably annoyed because she was a trailblazer when it came to chess, right? She was the first uh, woman to become an international grandmaster, as far as I know, uh, in 1978. Uh, and that was after a performance in a male tournament the year before. And she played against loads of men so she was annoyed and probably rightly so. Yeah. I'm, I'm stunned at why they do this because they were I know they were trying to make the point that the main star in this yeah. thing is, is really you know a generational kind of talent mm. but they're putting a real person into the frame yeah. surely they know the real person's you know track record as well. Yeah and I, and I didn't see the episode myself so I don't really understand what the reason for that was surely she would have been a, a more uh, a more difficult opponent uh, you know had she yeah. been given the the, the right kudos or whatever I don't know um, but anyway Netflix have come back and said that although they have the utmost res- most respect for Miss Gaprandashvili and her illustrious career uh, they believe that the claim has no merit and they will vigorously defend the case as they as they would it, it still seems like a crazy thing to do in, in otherwise may I say brilliant piece of TV and and yes. what, what has stood out in COVID-19 is one of those things that's been going through my mind of late because I think when this all goes into the far distant mm. past you'll be remembering these things that you were locked in front of your screen watching uh, The Tiger King was one of them Yeah and, Star Wars for us we watched the whole nine the whole episodes nine, with the kids uh, yeah. and, and that's, that's something they always well, the remember Queen, The yeah. Queen's Gambit and the music in it was sensational as well Yeah. Um, on to Peru Yes, Peru. Uh, interesting story here. It is involves, I don't know if you heard, but the founder and former leader of Shining Path, that was the t- left-wing terrorist group that operated in Peru for m- most of the 1980s and 1990s. Uh, the leader, Abimel Guzman, he died last Thursday, all right? He died in a military prison at the age of six, 86, 66, what am I saying? 86. He had double pneumonia. Some reports suggest that there might have been complications due to COVID and that kind of thing. But e- either way, he hadn't been well for a while and so it was expected that he may not uh, he may not survive and the a debate had come up during 
that period, right? So he only died last week, but in and around this time, a debate came up as to what they were going to do with his remains, because obviously there were some people who would like to have his body buried and he'd be used as a shrine, but at the same they'd, side... They'd still have yeah. followers, wouldn't oh, they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Most certainly, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, you know, and so the thing for the government here was how to not make that happen, really, right? So they actually went to Congress and they approved a bill allowing authorities to cre- cremate the body of the, the, the late gorilla, basically. And um, that that's what they're going to do. But I just think it's amazing that, you know, they had to go to Congress and create a bill for this to happen. So they, they, they've made a kind of a sweeping law now that authorises judges and prosecutors to decide the fate of the body of a person convicted of terrorism who dies in prison. And what's interesting about it is that his widower, uh, who was also part of Shining Path, she's still alive, also in prison. The two of them were captured in 1993, I think it was. Um, or in the early 90s. And uh, she obviously wanted to to take the body and do what she wanted to do, but they've said no, and uh, it it will be cremated and brought out into the Pacific. She wouldn't be in a position to do much now with it. She's in prison herself. She's in prison herself, yeah, 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 absolutely. He was a a philosophy professor. Yeah, and he was also uh, a total gurrier. Absolutely. This is a guy who used to go into villages and massacre people and... um, he, you know, there was there was you know atrocities on both sides. It has to be said, but uh, but they were particularly um, particularly savage. And I think what's interesting about this is that Peru has a new government, right? And it is a left wing government, right? So th- there was a lot of focus, I think, from the opposition that basically said, oh, you know, you'd have sympathisers for Shining Path in that, you know, in the body politic there in the government. But I mean, when it came to the vote, there was seventy people voted for it, thirty two against. Now there were fourteen abstentions. Mm but it's still passed uh, right. quite convincingly. Yeah, more than likely his ashes will go into the Pacific. Well, that's yeah, that's, that's what's going to happen and I'd say it'll be done very quickly. Very good. Yeah. Uh, but meanwhile in Haiti, uh, yeah, poor my Haiti, God. Yeah. But it, this reads like a... a you know, murder she wrote. It's it's phenomenally. Yeah. So you'll remember that um, Jovenel Moise was uh, assassinated earlier this year. It was in July of this yeah. year or late June, I think. And two weeks after he was assassinated uh, a new Prime Minister came into Paramount by the name of Ariel Henry alright he had actually been made Prime Minister two days before the assassination by the, the President um, but uh, he came into power and he's been the main man since then because they got rid of the office of the presidency. Now, he's had a lot to deal with, it has to be said. Uh, a couple of weeks after that assassination, there was a huge earthquake, another one, yeah. um, which killed over 2,000 people. And it is, you know, dirt poor with lots of gang violence and and beset with problems. And now it looks like they have another one because the country's chief prosecutor, a man by the name of Bedford Claude, has decided that uh, Ariel Henry has questions to answer about the assassination of his former president. Okay, right. They base that on the fact that Ariel Henry, the new prime minister, was in a phone conversation or had at least two conversations with a man who has since gone missing and was tracked to the house of the former and now assassinated uh, president um, around about the time. And and that man is still missing. And that man he is still is missing and he's wanted for questions. He's a chief kind of suspect, yeah, really, Well, he? he's a chief suspect along with about 44 other people. So there's been a lot, an awful lot of people arrested. Nobody seems to have a clue as to what's happened. I mean, there's been 18 Colombian mercenaries arrested. There's been two other mercenaries arrested with links to the United States. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of people arrested and in for questioning. And, and the sense of it is that nobody really knows what's going on. 
I'm just trying to look at this and think what Ariel Henry has to gain. You were saying he was already appointed to the office yeah, before he was the assassination. Already appointed. Yeah, he's been in politics. I was looking into his background. He's a neurosurgeon originally, studied in France and went back and became sort of the Tony Hoolan of Haiti, if you know what I mean. Yeah. If you're listening, Tony, don't, that's the only association <laughs> uh, that I'd put there. But um, yeah, he got into politics, then became the Minister for Health and then, you know, gradually went up through the ranks. Um I, I can't honestly see what he has to gain from mm. it, from from studying his background. Yeah. But then again, you, you never know with, with politics in this part of the world. All right. And um, as you say, this this suspicion that investigators haven't got a clue, though, is, is kind it, of... It seems to be, yeah, strong, it seems to be strong, yeah. In France, this story of 11-year-olds being targeted for online bullying, it's just... It, it, it beggars belief. It's bizarre and and I, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, it's got as far as French education officials who are condemning this bullying trend known as the anti-2010 trend. Okay, now we, we don't know for sure where it started. Some people say that it has something to do with younger gamers who are involved in the game video game Fortnite not following the rules and then the senior people, whatever age they might be, getting annoyed with them and started picking on them. There's another idea that... Um, uh, a song called Pop It Mania in which a, an influencer called called Pink Lily sings We Are the Queens of 2010 and apparently that has annoyed some people and it's had 400,000 dislikes on its YouTube uh, channel. It wouldn't just be because it's rubbish though, wouldn't it just be simple no, as that? I, no, I, I don't know what it is and, and nobody seems to know where it stems from but the whole point about it is now it's become a trend to pick on 11-year-olds and particularly those that are starting secondary school. So they have a two-tier system there in France, middle school, and then you go up to your um, up to your, your senior school or whatever. So it's 11 where they, start, where they start secondary school. And it appears that this online bullying trend has moved into the playground now and people are being attacked and picked on and that kind of thing. And you'd be worried, the worry about it is, of course, that it would spread, you know, yeah. through through the continent and eventually get over here. So... I think it's just something worth keeping, an international story that's actually worth keeping an eye on for right. parents without alarming people. Yeah. But uh, it might be worth keeping an eye on. You, you wonder where the line between reality, though. And, yeah, and that's the frightening thing about online it. Online is. is yeah. It just seems so bizarre. And, and for it to be a real threat to a child in the playground, it's just... Wow, watch yeah. that story. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, in uh, Belgium, this, this is, it's a sad little story, this... Yeah, it's a story that involves Belgium and Nigeria. It involves uh, a 23-year-old woman who was stabbed to death in June of 2018. Her name is uh, Eunice Oseande. And Eunice Oseande came from Nigeria to Belgium to become a movie star, right? So this is how she was drawn into the country. The men who basically trafficked her from Nigeria to Belgium said, oh, we'll bring you to Brussels and we'll bring you to Europe and we'll make you a movie star. She unfortunately believed them and the moment she got there she was she was put into prostitution and she was told that she owed 45,000 euros for her transit for the pimps who represented her inverted commas and, and the rent that for her accommodation that she was paying. Um, and before she was killed she was getting in touch with various different helplines and, and organisations that help prostitutes in difficulty and saying that the men or customers that were coming to her were getting increasingly violent and it appears that a 17 year old man who's been charged he hasn't been you know he hasn't been sent to prison yeah. yet but he's been charged may have been the person responsible for attacking her in, in Garde Nord but in response there was a huge response amongst the the, um, the Nigerian community there and sex workers um, in Brussels who, who went to the streets and in response the Belgian government have decided to name a street after her. Okay, so I suppose 
it's a nice way to to remember in in many respects, but also at the same time um, highlight the tragedy around human trafficking that exists. Uh, it's an awful story. Yeah, I mean, yeah. how she probably left behind her family and, and all that a life that she had in, in Nigeria to be trapped into this awful world yeah. in Belgium and then lose her life. To yeah. And, and the big takeaway from it was that she felt she couldn't go to the police, which I think is something that really needs to come out of this, like that if people yeah. do go to the police, they will probably help, you know. Um, so it, there's an awful lot of fear around it as well. So, um, yeah, so I, I suppose it's a nice gesture. It's part of a campaign that, that that's happening in Brussels. The the city council there are, are, have a, a campaign where they're where they're naming streets after after women. They're trying to increase the number of women um, who are represented. So they've got, you know, various different uh, resistant fighters from the Second sure. World War, LGBT activists and that kind of thing. So to include, you know, this, um, this prostitute who was murdered um, is, is, I suppose, um, something positive. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the, the trafficking ring as well. Were, mm. were they arrested as well? They were back in January and they received prison sentences of up to four years, which to me is like, what if they get out for good behaviour, they get a year, maybe it's three years they'll serve. Yeah, that doesn't, what seem, doesn't seem fair enough really, at does all. Um, in the UK, th- this... Um, New law. I'm not sure if it's quite a law coming in, but it's it's a strange thing. I'm sure many people will not have heard of a get refusal before. Yeah, but actually, get refusals have been in the news uh, a little bit lately. So, uh, okay, so so have been in the news lately. So, because of the the, the Jewish man, yeah. the last Jew in Afghanistan, who had refused to give his wife a get, and it's basically a divorce, right? A, 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 a man has to agree basically to to give his wife a divorce so that she can move on. Now, in the UK, they're basically trying to bring in a new law which would allow the Crown Prosecution Services to investigate whether a man is practising coercive behaviour by refusing a get okay. to his wife. Does that make sense? Sounds complicated. Yeah, okay. So it, it, it's it's gets are often used by husbands because they have to be given voluntary yeah. to stop a woman from moving on in her life. Right. Okay. And it happens a lot. Right. So the UK are basically saying, right, we are, they have a new domestic abuse act. And part of that act is religious abuse. Right. And so they're saying that they will look into the use of gets as uh, as domestic abuse. Sure. Okay. Um, in Albania, uh, God, they've gone so far to to bringing women into government. It's unbelievable. Well, that's uh, that's that's the point of this particular story. It's a prime minister, Eddie Rama. I don't know if you've ever been to Albania or if anybody's ever no. been to Tirana. It's uh, Tirana is an extraordinary city, and he was mayor of it for the guts of ten years. He's the guy. If you ever look at pictures of it, you see that it's very colourful. Um, and he basically came and painted the, the whole city pink and orange and okay. bright neon colours, and it looks great. Turned it into a tourist attraction, and he became prime minister a good few years ago he's in his third uh, his his third um, time as, as as Prime Minister now and he has appointed 17 people to his cabinet and 12 of them are women um, so that has kind of Very boosted good. the profile of the country in, in that respect and uh-huh. uh, and it looks good, I suppose. Put them into um, the fifth highest in the world. Yes, Fair. in terms of uh, female yeah. representation in politics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John, thanks very much for that. Next thanks year, so. you'll be talking about all of the elections that are coming up um, yeah, in lots the next going on. few weeks. Loads of them to come. Uh, thanks very much for that. Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.